Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Our latest guest on Soundtrack and makes a very welcome return to the show, having given us something of a retrospective on his astounding career back in episode 45. Nick Broomfield is a multi-award winning documentary maker who, amongst many other subjects, has made several films about musicians, including Carton Courtney, Biggie and Tupac and most recently Whitney Houston. Continuing the theme, Mariana and Leonard, Words of Love, is an intimate meditation on the relationship between Leonard Cohen and his Norwegian muse, Mariana Elin. It's a deeply personal project for Nick, who met Mariana during a visit to the Greek island of Idra when he was 20 and also encountered Leonard on the Ellie party scene. As with Whitney, Mariana and Leonard is scored by Nick Laird Clues, who consciously borrowed heavily from Cohen's musical lexicon to create a coherent sonic backdrop to the narrative. We're also extremely grateful to Nick for providing us with several of his yet-to-be-released cues from the movie, including this, the Mariana and Leonard theme. Thank you so much for your time and welcome back to Soundtrack. And we spoke well, last you. around your Whitney film. And this new film, Marion and Leonard, Words of Love, I've watched it three times. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I don't know, I think everybody can relate to so many different elements of the story. But I wanted to ask, first of all, why you wanted to make the film? Well, um, it was such a formative period in my life, meeting Mariana mm. and going to Idra, which seemed like paradise as a 20-year-old. Yeah. And I think it really turned my head. It certainly encouraged me, or she, Mariana, encouraged me very much to become a filmmaker. I was being trained as a lawyer before that. Um, and it just seemed like to open up this whole other world, a world I was much more interested in. Mm. You know, world of artists and where anything was possible, it seemed, and people were living for very little money and they were pursuing their art. Whereas the life I, it seemed, you know, people were always just working for money. Yeah, I think that there's there's this wonderful kind of surprise in the film as well because you don't know what well, a lot of people I think going into the film won't know about that personal connection and relationship that you had with Mariana. So that's kind of like there's an immediate trust there in terms of how you want to tell her story. I think as soon yeah. as you hear that. At first, I tried to tell it actually without really putting myself really? in the film. Yeah, because I just thought, well, here are these two amazing people. I don't really want to take away from their story. So it was a question of really 
it was actually quite hard to tell the story with just their words, which is what I tried, because it was hard to make the time jumps and jump in place and that mm. sort of thing. And so I, you know, I had a few attempts at doing it really with just their words. And then when I put myself in, it was like, how can I do it so that my telling of the story enhances our understanding of each of them? Yeah. And fortunately, Mariana was always talking about Leonard, so it was quite easy to do it. You know, I just sort of remembered some of the things she'd said and some of the conversations we'd had and even funny little things like her talking about his favorite salt beef sandwich <laughs> yeah. shop in, you know, off Piccadilly. Yeah. You know, funny little things yeah. where you can tell how, just how much she loved him, yeah. you know. I think what you also get is you get that sense of how inspiring she was and encouraging she was as a person and maybe not even really realising mm. that she was doing it. You know, you describe her as a muse a lot in the film and I think she epitomises that definition really in terms of even unknowingly just her presence almost is, is, is almost hypnotic to these, to these men and these people who encounter her and are lucky enough to have her in her life. Well, I think she was very interested in people. Mm. As some, somebody else has said, you know, she really could listen and, and she wasn't just wondering what she was going to say next, mm. what her next sentence was going to be. So I, I think there was an enormous generosity about her. And I think she was very, you know, when she threw the I Ching and stuff, I remember, which she introduced me to, getting the receptive was always the most important thing to her, mm. being fully there in yeah. the moment and receptive, which is an enormous talent. Was she musical at all? I think she, she, yeah. Although I think she was musical, but I don't, I didn't necessarily see her as being somebody who was just related to music. I yeah. think she, I think her strength was seeing the strength in other people and what their talent was. And yeah. if it was music, it was that. If it was writing, it was that as well. Although I don't think she valued her talent very. Highly, I think she felt she needed to be a great musician or writer herself. Yeah. How did you feel about Leonard's music after she introduced you to it? But then also, how do you feel about it now after you've made this film? Well, I hadn't heard of Leonard or Marianne when I went to Idra, mm -hmm. so she played me his music to begin with. And I remember some people, some other musicians on the island were a bit critical of some <laughs> of the of the album. Mm -hmm. I think they were maybe critical of the some of the production values and the woman's voices and that sort of thing. Come over to the window, my little darling. I'd like to try to read your poem. I used to think I was some kind of gypsy boy. Cry and laugh about it all again. 
actually did love that album. I, I think I, as a 20-year-old, struggled to understand the words. Obviously, I understand a lot more now because I understand their lives. But I don't think, I mean, as he said, it really matters whether you really understand the words. It's just that the words have an association for you that take you somewhere. Oh, you are really such a pretty one. I see you've gone and changed your name again And just when I climb this whole mountainside To wash my eyelids in the rain Oh, so long I think my appreciation for him, him now probably is more that I think he was amazingly honest about himself, about his shortcomings, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. <laughs> his obsessions. Incredibly self-deprecating. Very self-deprecating, which he writes about, and which I think is something that makes his work so great. He doesn't pretend to be something other than what he is. I love you in the morning Kisses deep and warm Your hair upon the pillow Like a sleepy golden storm Here's many love before us I know that we are not new In city and in forest They smiled like me and you But now it's come to distances And both of us must try your eyes are soft with sorrow Hey, it's nowhere to say goodbye Almost like if you feel like it's almost his way of dealing with the bad stuff that he did, you know, hurting people, not, not deliberately, but obviously, you know, kind of at that time it was such, you know, everything was free and, and open, but, you know, there's a point in the film as well where you speak to uh, oh, I've forgotten her name. She's the wife of one of Leonard's. Oh, Viva. Yeah, Aviva and Layton. she kind of goes, you know, it was all, everybody was sleeping with everyone, but, you know, someone was still getting hurt at some point, you know, kind mm -hmm. of in these situations. And I kind of almost take that as his way of kind of not admittance, but kind of making himself feel better about those situations, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and I think he was very aware of his, how hard it was for him to commit. Yeah. That he was always running away. He yeah. always needed to get away and... yeah it's like a wild dog <laughs> <laughs> um, but his music is just um, and, and the, the way that you've weaved that in through this fantastic footage that you have of all these little bits as well where you can just, just see this charisma oozing out of every pore of his his being mm -hmm. women and men stood next to him you can see him just transfixed by his presence and you have this fantastic footage of that, but also performance and things. Where did you source it all and find it all? I mean, I had a great team who were looking for archive. <clears throat> and they found it literally in people's attics, wow. uh, unprocessed. Or in, in the case of Penny Baker, who shot the footage with Mariana, it was footage that he'd never watched since he'd shot it in 1967. 
So it was sort of convincing them that they wanted to, well, with Penny Baker, he was like, I'm 90. Do you think I'm going to crawl around my vault looking, <laughs> looking for stuff I shot in Here's 1967? <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of uh, getting Fraser, his son, to actually crawl around in the vault. And they found it. And it was like eight rolls of film that uh, was, you know, kind of priceless. Mm. And then there were all these sort of collectors around the world, particularly with Leonard's material. Most of the interviews we sourced hadn't really been, well, barely listened to, because I think he trusted a very few journalists, which he was very open with. Yeah. And I think often on the bigger sort of interviews, he would just say the same thing each time. He, you know, I think he was a very disciplined person who had a lot of pat answers, so he would just go to those. So it, it was finding, like, remote places in Israel where he'd done oh, wow. incredible interviews yeah. and been very upfront and honest. I think that was a place that meant a lot to him. And mm. then various journalists that he had some kind of real bond with who he would talk to every so often. Yeah. One of them lived up in Hull. <laughs> a couple Random. of others lived in like Belgium and other places. So people had to go there and find them and all corners of the world. It's really like, all corners of the world, yeah. Guess how far his music reaches. It really does, doesn't it? Because I think with that background of he has of being a poet and things as well, you know, he's kind of, his words have meant a lot to people and they've related to so much of, of what he's spoken about over, over the years as well. I think he was somebody who really, his words, also the precision with which he used his words really touched people mm. in a, a very substantial way even i think some of the words he says in the film in describing the time and his emotions of the time are so carefully selected that you are spellbound mm. somewhat by them did you spend any time with him at all over the you know before he died and i i did i, I wouldn't say that i knew him terribly well yeah. i met him really in los angeles we were both at a particular time in our lives dating actresses <laughs> who went to a lot of uh, events. And, uh, you I were the plus ones. <laughs> I, we were the plus ones. I love and the notion of Leonard Cohen being someone's plus one. I think he was, very, uh, <laughs> he was very relatively unknown, oddly enough, in Los Angeles. So we would be, uh, yeah, we would be the plus ones who would share notes. Skulking in the corner together. Yeah, yeah. at the Golden Globes or, the, you know. Yeah. These other things. Yeah. Um, when it came to to the music and knowing what you wanted to, to put in of of Leonard's and of the time, but mm -hmm. then also how, once again, working with, with the fantastic Nick Loud trousers, as you described <laughs> in the last time, um, of, of how you would, you know, navigate Nick's work within within all that. Was that an easy thing to, to work out? Well, I think it was a big test for Nick. Cause Following on from Whitney, I mean, you know, you're setting this poor man <laughs> very, very difficult time. Well, he, he's always coming back for more. <laughs> yeah, that Whitney score was incredible. It was yeah. incredible. And I think um, this particular soundtrack sounds like, you know, it's Leonard throughout the soundtrack. And he's got this amazing woman, woman's voice throughout too.
And I think his, he even went to find the right kind of guitar strings so he could get that particular fret noise. Oh, and wow. mm, He really researched it well. And I think Nick is an incredible fan of Leonard's. So for him, this was a real challenge. much music and then because we fair used some of the material Nick's music would then immediately take over mm. and it's almost imperceptible that it's a different different musician yeah. playing <laughs> very different to Whitney because I guess the way that her music kind of penetrated people emotionally was very different and the way that you complemented that with what Nick did it was very different but with this you can't hear or see the seams. You can't, yeah. demanding with him because again <laughs> again <laughs> I think I remember you saying last time that there was one track that you just couldn't get cleared for Whitney or it was going to cost way too much money so you kind of went back oh, we, need another, we need another three minutes of music and he's like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he is the most enthusiastic person I've ever met you know he's just so so effusive enthusiastic and, and I think he regarded it as a great challenge but also just loved the results and loved Leonard so much that he could dig deep into his sort of Leonard appreciation and come up with these amazing chords and 
ways of playing the guitar mm. that was very Leonard-like. It's a kind of nice thing to be able to do, almost accompanying someone mm. you really, really admire in something like this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think he, he regarded it very much as a tribute to Leonard and, and how he saw the world through his music. finding your narrative for the film and, and knowing which contributors you, you wanted to use, was that was that an easy thing to do? Because I imagine there was hundreds of people that you could have spoken to who he had relationships with or worked with or whatever. Well, was I think we, we probably did close to, I don't know, 80 or 100 interviews. Wow. And then we only probably used, I don't know, eight in total. You know, we used Aviva, Leighton, Ron Cornelius a lot, Jan Christian Mollestad. Those were probably, you know, and Heli, and my, of course my friend Rick, yeah, who was sort of embodied my soul in a way. <laughs> even He's got a great face. Hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, the most, yeah, amazing face. His face mm. is like a map. It's incredible. Yeah, he's a great poet too. So it's, it's more those sort of five people, I think, who are the essence of the film. I'm trying to learn some things about love. When your woman becomes her own content and you become her content, that's love. The woman who inspired the songwriter and poet Leonard Cohen to write some of his best-known work has died. Dearest Marianne, I'm just a little behind you, close enough to take your hand. When this love letter came from Leonard, I think she felt that it was all completed. Poets, they're just elusive creatures who are married to their muse. It was a love story which had 50 chapters without being together. Lots of people came to Hydra. Artists. Jacqueline Kennedy, Princess Margaret. There was so much freedom there. She didn't really enjoy being beautiful before she met Leonard, and he made her love living. <laughs> she carried with her a different feel that I ever saw around Leonard. It felt like anything was possible. Their dream life in Hydra had a big interruption. Leonard discovered himself as a singer. She wanted to be with him, and you cannot be with Leonard. He always had that feeling that he was after something that he couldn't get his hands around. So much of his writing was about his relationships with women. 
He could make women feel good about themselves, but he couldn't give himself to them because he couldn't give himself away. They had this place for each other till the very end. That's what words of love can do. Well, of course, yeah, my, uh, myself. Did yeah. you find it a, an emotional experience of kind of revisiting, you know, someone that meant something? Yeah, well, I felt a terrible kind of responsibility not to, well, not to let them down, but to kind of not to let the people who loved them so much down. Because, they, I mean, people like Aviva and Rick and mm. Ronco, I think they all really cared for them, thought they were very special people. Um, and I remember them saying, "I, you know, I really hope this is going to be, a, you know, a positive, loving piece because uh, that's kind of how we feel about them." Mm. And they were surrounded. I mean, I think both Lennon and Marianne were surrounded by people who adored them. Whereas, you know, someone like Whitney, there were a lot of people who were eating, feeding off her, you yeah. know, and it had a very different. I mean, no one in this film wanted to be paid. Whereas, you know, nearly everybody in in the Whitney film were kind of very carnivorous. Yeah. First question was how much? <laughs> it, it, it kind of was, you yeah. know. There was that different kind of pressure. And was it easy to work out what music of Leonard's you'd, you'd have in there? I, we didn't really have a sort of list. I think it came very much through the edit. Mm. I mean, we, obviously we knew we were going to use So Long Marianne and Bird on a Wire and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like a bird on the wire Like a drunk in a midnight choir I have tried in my way to be free I think the rest just sort of well, and then and then we were lucky that we got that material from of Leonard playing in a mental institution, and he was playing certain songs mm. there. 
<clears throat> he did play so long, Marianne, but we, you know, you can't keep playing the same song. Yeah. So you know, we used uh, another song that he'd written for Marianne there. What do you want people to take away from the film? I know it's a slightly odd question, but well, I think a lot of people have very much reflected on their own loves and and their own relationships, and I think that's the strongest thing, really. And I've loved talking to people after the film because the conversation's been so intimate very intimate moments in their own lives mm -hmm. that they've wanted to share with me. And, and that's been a great pleasure. I had a Leonard relationship, which I hope just because someone I went out with for like six months, but literally smothered me with Leonard Cohen stuff, be it books, music. And it was kind of like, <laughs> enough. <laughs> I need to discover this for myself. You can't just force it on me. I then found my own journey to him afterwards sort of thing. But I think so many people will have a connection with Leonard through their own loves. Mm, that's what I think. The power of, of what and you... It makes people reflect on their own lives mm. and relationships. Yeah. What's next? Well, I, I actually did a film about my father. Oh, wow. Because mm, he's got a big exhibition at the V&A next year. But it was quite personal, again, because no one really has enormously straightforward relationships <laughs> with their fathers. <laughs> So it's it's you know fairly honest relationship. He lived till ninety four, wow. so we had a lot of time to heal all the, all the damage <laughs> we'd inflicted on each other. In yeah. Like, yeah. Oh mm. wow! We, we see that around the time the exhibition. I is. think so. Yeah. Uh, originally, the exhibition was going to be in February, and they pushed it back. So it will probably be later in the year. Thank you for your time. I really, I hope people will just, I think that one of the one of the many things to take away from the film, I think, is the fact that it keeps his music and his work alive. That's a wonderful thing to say, mm. yeah. Which is a great thing, I think. So, yeah. So, thank you for that. Thank you for your time. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Nick.
as featured in Mariana and Leonard Words of Love that's Dance Me to the End of Love by Leonard Cohen running off this latest episode with Nick Broomfield my huge thanks to Nick for taking the time to talk to us. Mariana and Leonard, Words of Love is on general release now. Head to edithbowman.com, iTunes or your preferred podcast provider to listen to my previous conversation with Nick and please do subscribe whilst you're there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do keep spreading the word on your socials and amongst your friends if you like what you hear. Next up, Finally, we have a man we have been trying to get on this podcast forever and he was very generous to take part in one of our BFI live events. Coming for you next week, the one and only Max Richter. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.